Hey there, listeners. Well, I interviewed a lady called Wendy Steele in, in a great interview that we actually had, a great discussion around things. And, you know, Wendy is a CEO and founder of a global non-for-profit organization, and it's called Impact 100. And it's dedicated to uniting and empowering women to create a transformational impact in their communities. And in fact, the organization has actually donated or granted $123 million worth to worthy nonprofits to help them around what they can do in the different communities. Now, Wendy and I had a great discussion about things, but one thing we did talk about was making impact by going the extra mile. And the thing here is that we need to act as leaders and become a leader. The other thing too is that when you're in a volunteer non-for-profit organization, you can't really fire a volunteer. It's difficult. And so what can you do to inspire people? The other thing that we did talk about was the, the importance of committing and being committed to becoming a lifetime learner. So a great discussion. So let's get into the episode. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to have you here with us. I have a wonderful guest today with me. Her name is Wendy Steele. Wendy, a big welcome to you. Thank you so much, Dennis. I'm glad to be with you. Excellent. Now, whereabouts are you in the world today? Today, I'm in northern Michigan in the United States. Oh, very cool. And the other thing I want to say is that you're the founder and CEO of Impact 100 and also the author of a book called Invitation to Impact. Now, I've given the audience a little bit of an introduction to you. Tell us more about you. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, I grew up in a family that gave back, and so it was just sort of instilled in my day, my week, and and my budget, honestly. And so when I graduated from college, I became a banker, and I wanted to help people. That was my work as a private banker is to help them to achieve their financial goals. I relocated to Ohio after living on the East Coast and found that so many of the women I met just didn't see a way to get involved in the community. And that troubled me. So I, in the summer of 2001, started to write down all the reasons they told me they couldn't be involved. And one by one, I tried to overcome them. One of the things I learned is that not only if you grow up giving back, are you more likely to give back as an adult, but as the roles of women had changed in the United States in particular, although we've got chapters in New Zealand and Australia as well, women's philanthropy really hadn't kept pace. And so that's really what led me to start Impact 100. From there, it took off in a bigger and better way than I can ever imagine. And so we made our very first grant in the summer of 2001, $123,000 because 123 women came together. 
20 years later, we've now grown a thousand fold. And around the world, we've given away more than $123 million, $1,000 at a time from women just like me, like all the women you might know in your lives. And it's been transformational all the way around. Oh, that's awesome. Transformational for them, but also I think it would be transformational for you, right? Completely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. That That's awesome. And so what a wonderful way to be able to give back to people, to help them have a lift up, to do what they might want to do with it and so forth, which is really, really great to see. And so tell me a little more about in the sense that we're going to be talking about leadership is changing and things like that today, but how did you actually get into leadership? Well, you know, I would say my first leadership role sort of came the old fashioned way. I climbed the corporate ladder. Banking is about as corporate as you can get with a lot of hierarchy and structure. And so, you know, you sort of do the right thing. You meet and and exceed your goals and you get a promotion and you get a promotion. So I had ascended to the role of senior vice president and regional manager in, in the bank, which, you know, is a decently high leader. However, Becoming a leader on the nonprofit side is something entirely different. It's really not about corporate promotions and checking boxes and exceeding goals. It's really about standing up and saying, I see a problem that needs to be fixed and I'm ready to take responsibility to do what I can where I am to help solve it. And when I ascended to that leadership, I was rather unlikely founder being a banker and without a nonprofit pedigree, other than a lot of experience as a volunteer. But I think when these problems really sort of start to bother us, I believe it's sort of the universe's way of saying somehow we have a way to solve this problem and that we need to take action. And so two different leadership journeys, very different, but the end is the same. Yeah, interesting. Because quite interesting to hear about the difference between the corporate and the nonprofit, you know, two different types of organizations. But for you to go up in different ranks throughout the corporate side of things and then into the non-for-profit side of things too, or not-for-profit, what what was it like for you as a female going up the, the corporate ladder and climbing it? Was it difficult? How did you find it? Well, yeah, I was one of the very few women at the time in my industry. So So there were not a lot of women I could look up to as role models who'd already sort of broken that glass ceiling. I was lucky, though, because I did have some men in higher positions who believed in me. I think absent that, it would have been much more difficult. But I was also raised to be very hardworking and go sort of the extra mile And I think, especially as a woman in a corporate setting, but honestly, probably even today, regardless of your gender or your age or even your industry, it's that notion that you really have to go the extra mile, be attentive and sort of anticipate needs instead of just taking orders, you know, start acting like you're a leader before you're given the title and suddenly people see you that way. Yeah, it's interesting how you can act as the leader or do the things as a leader before you're actually given the role or the actual title or whatever. Because a lot of people sort of sit there going, well, give me this, give me that, and then I'll be the leader. It's like, no, because it's about becoming the leader and it's about you going in there and doing what you need to do. Yeah, it's, that's excellent. I, that's fascinating what you just shared because I think a lot of people sort of get that little bit muddled up and the wrong way around. And I think it's important. 
Yeah. And one other thing on that, that I've found, and I, I talk about this with younger women and men who are in corporate roles today, is that very often you have your eye on that next promotion, how you can lead. And in terms of your corporate structure that you might hear, you know, you don't have the skill set, you don't have the experience. Well, and then you say, well, how do I get it if you don't promote me? Well, one really good way to get it without getting the promotion is honestly through volunteer work. Because when you go out to the causes you care about and you volunteer to help them on lead a project or raise money or any of the myriad things that nonprofits need, suddenly you now get project management experience. You're increasing your network of both business and social contact. You're learning from other mentors and leaders that might be outside your industry. In other words, again, when you go the extra mile, if you really want that promotion, you have to put yourself in the position of those men and women who are going to choose you or someone else for the next leadership role within the company and getting the skills even if you have to go outside of your company to do it, they're typically very transferable and it can differentiate you from the rest of your peers. Yeah, I, I love that because I think you should go outside of your industry or your company because it gives you different, you can see, as you say, the skill set can be applied in different areas, gives you different experiences, but also more importantly, I think it actually allows you to grow your network even wider, which is really good. Yeah, which is yeah. cool, but I love I love what you just said there about the fact that you go the extra mile and you put your hand up because I actually find, Wendy, that in the corporate world, if you've got the title, you're the boss. So you tell me what to do. That's how a lot of the old sort of style have been. Today, employees want to be able to contribute more as well, which is good. But I think that in the volunteer side of things, that's harder to lead because they don't report into you. Their compensation and benefits aren't associated with you. And so you've got to get people to do things. So you have to work differently. What's your thoughts on that? You do have to work differently. Although I think as time moves on, I feel like in corporate America, they could take a page out of the book of a volunteer leader. And, and the reason is, you know, the sort of joke in the nonprofit world is you can't fire a volunteer. But if you don't inspire that volunteer, he or she won't do what you need them to do. And so as a leader in nonprofit world, and frankly, in corporate world, you've got to make sure that, you know, no longer can you say, because I said so, or because I'm the boss. And although people didn't use those exact language, the, the implication was clear. What we really have to do as leaders is make sure that everyone on the team understands why. Understand, you know, you can know all the statistics and that's fine, but understanding the why of the individual entity that we're helping, whether that's an individual, a family, a school, whatever it may be, shows that when they understand the why and they understand the goals, now we're all in the same boat, rowing in the same direction. If you assume that they will know what the why is, that they will connect the dots, you do that at your own peril because inevitably you will find people working really hard, scaling the wrong wall. And when we really need them to come alongside so that we can all climb the correct wall together. Yeah, very good. I like that. That's, that's excellent. Hey, um, you may have many, but I'm going to ask you to choose one. And the person is, can be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Oh my gosh. Yes, I could name many, <laughs> but I'll, the first one that comes to mind because for my whole life, 
I've known about him. I share the same birthday with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So he is one of my all-time favorite leaders. And I think the why, you know, it's interesting because he was a favorite leader when I was a banker too, but certainly in my life in nonprofit work now, it's perhaps a little more aligned or unsurprising. But when I look at what he did, he was passionate and inspirational. He took the hard way around, you know, in his day, violence and sort of fostering division was much more the norm in terms of civil rights and how to get your point across. And he did the opposite. He convened people. He brought them all together. He painted a picture. His communication style, his empathy, his intelligence, his resilience, he had all of those things. But he didn't follow the norm. He sort of did it his own way and and in a million ways changed not only leadership, changed the civil rights movement. And one could also argue, I mean, his speeches today are still quoted, his teachings, his readings, you know, or his writing. And so I think he he really sort of redirected many leaders around him. And that's a high level of influence. Influencing followers is one thing. Influencing other leaders is really transformational. Say that piece again. Influencing other leaders is? Is really transformational. Yeah, that's excellent. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And you know what? The other thing too here, listeners, is that if you have somebody who builds something and does something, does it their own way, takes people to, pulls people together, as Wendy's saying, builds or shares with them the bigger picture, it's wonderful. But as Wendy's just said, his legacy continues and it's so strong and people have bought into it, but people continue to buy into it and people who aren't even born when he was around have bought into it as well. And it's just great. So influencing others is really transformational. That's a great way of saying I love it. Now, the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that title or that statement, Wendy, what does it mean for you? Oh my gosh. You know, I think in today's world when COVID is still very much a part of our current existence, leadership is changing because good leaders have to shift and change. They have to keep pace with what's happening. So as a leader, leadership needs to change, but also leadership and leadership styles are also changing. You alluded to it a little bit ago when you talked about today's leader in corporate America and the, and the Gen X, Gen Y, and millennials who have different expectations of life in the workplace. And if leaders want to keep them, they need to change their way of being, their way of doing, not just technology and the tools we need, but also the corporate structure and the reporting and the recognition, you know, all of those things have to go along with it. Yeah, definitely they do. Yeah. Now, you know, you and I are living in a world which seems to be getting faster all the time, right? Technology, as we've said, data, social side of things, even the, the business side of things. Daily life seems to be getting faster. Well, how does a leader become successful in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? This might sound counterintuitive, but I think one of the best ways that a leader can stay successful and stay relevant is actually sometimes taking a step back. I think I am very guilty. And so when I say this, I'm really kind of coaching myself as much as I would coach anyone who might be listening 
to this and finding it useful is that we get so caught up in the work we're doing and there's always more demands on our time as a leader. But some of the best ways for us to grow as leaders is to actually take some time away, recharge our batteries, refill our buckets. But I also believe you need the humility to be a continuous lifelong learner. Sometimes we reach a certain status within a company. We might believe we've made it. And now other people do what we say. And we've learned everything we need to learn because we're at the top of the food chain, so to speak. And I believe that that is very outdated thinking. If we can have the humility to go out and learn from others, not just within our own industry, not just by looking at the other organizations that are in our space, but also by going well outside to companies and organizations and networks that are entirely different and unrelated. Because I think that's where we can get new perspective. That's where fresh ideas come from. And it keeps us relevant, keeps us current. And it might sound counterintuitive. And I'm sure there will be people who will say, well, you know, I don't have time for that. I, I've got all these deadlines and this big team and I'm doing this important work. And I would say, you're right, you are. But if you don't continue to, you know, I guess sharpen the saw, as Covey would say, you don't continue to fill your own bucket with both rest, refreshment, things that will help to be creative, but also with new information, we will have trouble getting anyone who will want to follow us. We will be sort of working ourselves out of a job. Wendy, I think there's been, there was a book several years ago, probably even 20 years ago, called The Power of Full Engagement. And Tony Schwartz, I think, was the, the author of it. A great book in the sense that he talked about our energy tanks and filling those up, and that's recharging and refreshing and so forth. And I, I love that concept that you just talked about. But then once again, there, listeners, there it is again. Learn from outside your industry. Go out there and learn as much as you can. And Wendy, I talk about in the opening of this podcast, the fact that we need to stay relevant and that we run the risk of being not changing quick enough and being left behind and becoming not relevant anymore. And so a lot of people sort of fear that. And as you're right, so right, they don't have time and, you know, they're really important. They're a manager or the leader. And I go like, that's great because tomorrow you won't be. If you don't continue mm -hmm. to do that, you're going to become relevant and you're going to wonder what hits you. And so I love what you shared there. I think it's really, really important. But then I'm going to go back to the fact that what you just said before that was commit to becoming a lifetime learner. We always have to learn. And I think that's brilliant. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah. Now, you and I have been talking through the lens of a leader. And if we were to change lenses now and think it from an employee's perspective, because you and I have been employees in the past, and we know people today who are employees. And that's whether an employee in a, in a business side of things or in a nonprofit side of things. It doesn't matter. It's if people are coming in. What are employees' expectations of leaders today? No, I think that employees today, they have questions and they, they will question why certain structures exist, why processes are the way they are, and they'll ask about them. And so leaders need to be able to answer those. I think employees are also looking for meaning. It really doesn't matter if you are sweeping the floor, if your job as an employee is to sweep the floor, you still want to know that your work has meaning. And when you know what happens when 
the lights are on and it's filled with other employees and they're doing the important work. The janitor sweeping the floor needs to know why they're doing the work. Because when they understand that, and you know, the classic story is, is sweeping the floor in a hospital, in an emergency room. And when, you know, this person's child said, mom, what do you do for work? And they said, well, I save lives. Wait a minute. I thought you were a janitor. Well, if I didn't clean the hospital, lives could be lost. I prevent infection. I save lives. I think employees today want that connection. I think they want to know that their work matters. I think they want to question, you know, the answer of we've always done it this way, or this is how it's done, or it's not your job to ask questions. It's your job to take orders. You know, all of those sort of dinosaur-esque responses. I believe that what employees are looking for are fresh ideas to get them more deeply connected to the work. And the thing is, sometimes leaders can be threatened by those questions or by, you know, the audacity. But honestly, when those employees do get answers to the questions, it ties them more deeply to the company. It works better than a thousand logo t-shirts or ball caps that you might give trying to sort of get company pride. And it really helps them stay connected to not just their own work, but how it fits into the puzzle of the whole organization. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier on, which is they all go the extra mile then because they actually understand things and they feel like they buy into it. And it matters. You know, they're doing work that matters instead of sort of feeling like they're they're on an assembly line and they don't know what their little piece in the line means to the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's wonderful because I think you're right. I mean, a lot of people, it's a bit like strategy, right? So organizations go, da-da, here's our strategy, go out and do it. And people go like, huh? And most people, when I ask this question, Wendy, what is the strategy in the organization? Just tell me in a few words, summarize it. They can't yeah. tell me. They don't know. They know it exists and they know mm -hmm. that it's a laminated piece of paper in, a, in the kitchen area where the tea and coffee are made, but that's all it is. But they don't know. And it's because they're not bringing it to life for them or their teams and they don't know what to do. And I think, you know, you, you've said it several times and it's about actually bringing people on that journey, buying into the bigger picture or understanding what the bigger picture is first. But we can only help others to understand what the bigger picture is until, once we understand what the bigger picture is. And if we can't, then how can we help others? Mm. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out now and think about the future here, I always love saying that because listeners can't see you, but I just love watching people's faces when they when I say that because it puts a smile on their face. Forget your crystal ball out now. We're talking about the future here around leadership. Where do you see leadership being in five years? Oh, my gosh. That's the hardest question yet because I think it can go so many ways. You know, I am hearing all the time people of my generation sort of talking about future generations, like, oh, those millennials this, or oh, those Gen Xers that. And some of the statistics have to be true, right? So some of the statistics about those younger generations of our future leaders, they're probably accurate, but they're not conclusive. And so when I look ahead five years, I think we're going to see a lot more personal leadership happening. I think we're going to see flatter organizations. I think we're going to see very mission-driven work. And I think everyone will, we will still need leaders. So 
don't mistake the idea of a flat organization that, oh, everyone's going to be their own leader. That would be chaos. But there will be opportunities for people to lead in new ways. I think we're going to continue to redefine what it is to be a leader. And I also believe that, you know, right now, mental health is such an important topic that's happening everywhere all over the world. And I believe leaders today and tomorrow, you know, when I talked about going the extra mile, I believe that that's who I am at my core. But I also believe that if we are all work, you know, the pendulum swung way too far in this give your life to your work sort of mantra and working 60 and 80 hours a week was like this badge of honor. And I don't believe future leaders will do that. At least I hope they don't. I believe that in the future, we will see more leadership opportunities, but we will see it as a holistic part of your life. And when someone says, you know, hi, Dennis, what do you do? You might certainly talk about your job, your role, what what you do for a living. But you might also say, and I'm a great squash player and I've got four grandchildren. And because who you are, your vision of who you are will be that much bigger. And that's where I think leadership needs to go. And I honestly believe that's where it's going, thanks in large part to the upcoming generations who simply won't stand for the old way of doing work or living work. Yeah, and they are definitely questioning it and they are challenging it in a way that uh, some leaders are being feeling very uncomfortable with it. But it is a way of the future. While you're still also maintaining those leadership fundamentals, because I think the those leadership fundamentals still need to be are still accurate today. It's not what's being done, but it's how it's being done. I think is the is the way. That's a great way to put it. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I might even write myself a note there. Yeah. So it's actually (laughs) quite important here. And so I think the thing that I'm hearing coming through today in in this uh, episode is the fact that we are going to go the extra mile. And influencing others as other leaders is really transformational. But I think if you think about the impact 100 you're talking about and so forth, making impact by going that extra mile is quite a big thing that we should be thinking about. And so I think for our listeners here is that it's really important for us to be able to be in a position to be able to do that and staying true to ourselves, but also keep learning what we're saying is based on what you were, you were sharing earlier on, Wendy. I think that's really important and uh, very exciting for for the future of side of things as well around around leadership. Ah, thank you. Yeah, very exciting. I I see a very bright future ahead. Yeah, that's good. Very good. All right. So, Wendy, um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Please have them connect with me on LinkedIn. I have a website called wendyhfield.com and another website called impact100global.org. I think both of them will probably end up in the show notes. Yeah, I'd love will. to hear from them. Yeah, I will. Yep. We'll put those in the show notes for sure. So, Wendy, once again, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Dennis. Pleasure's all mine. There you go, listeners. Well, if you can go the extra mile and influence other leaders, that's going to be really transformational. But remember, go outside of your industry and and network and learn from others, but also continue to learn to be the real leader that you need to be, the leader that people are wanting you to be, the leader that you should be to allow us as a world to move forward, which is excellent. 
All right, leaders. Hey, it's a real pleasure being with you. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 